Thank you for joining today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast, and thank you for having a desire to be your best at work and helping your organization achieve success. This podcast focuses on tactical actions to improve workplace culture, and these tactics align to our nine principles for organizational excellence. Over the past several episodes, we've focused on 80 to 85% of employees. About 20% are high-performing and about 60% are solid performers. Remember from episodes 18 and 22, solid performers are the backbone of our organizations. So what's left on the performance curve? 20% of performers who fall along the low-performing area of the performance curve. And here's some great news. About 10% of the 20% are what we consider lower solid performers. Most low-solid performers will follow the other 80% when organizations have excellent leadership. We attend to the low-solid performers much like we do solid performers. We want these individuals to be reflective, and we have to be a little more directive with performance expectations with these solid and low performers. Here's an approach you can use with low-solid performers. Identify the area where the low performer is struggling and have empathy around that struggle. For example, you may say, Sally, I know yesterday's meeting didn't feel very good to you. You had a point to make, and the more you made it, the more your team resisted. When you left the meeting, and why do you think that occurred? Sally could be defensive rather than reflective. I mean, in this case, we could say something like, Sally, let me tell you about a time when I didn't feel good about my actions in a meeting and what I learned from that experience. And then I could ask Sally these two questions. What would have been the best thing for me to do when I felt that way? What about my situation connects to your experience? Now, all I've done here is shifted from a conversation about her to a conversation about the behavior. Now, hopefully she becomes more reflective, but the less reflective she is, the more directive the leader becomes. Now, at some point, I would give a positive example on how to handle the situation and then ask Sally to think about her approach and then tell me how she could have improved. If she remains resistant, now she's shifting to a low performer. All to say, there's sure no science to changing low performers' behaviors. By focusing on the behavior rather than the person, we may have a chance to coach an individual to be a reflective thinker. When low performers become reflective, we praise this change with very specific language about that positive behavior because that's what we want them to continue to do. And for the remainder of this episode, we'll focus on low performer conversations, you know, or that 10%, the 10% of individuals who fall along the low performer part of the performance curve. In the past year, I've found that organizations I've been working with have a strategic focus on creating civility in their workplace. There's more to talk about here in a future episode. But for now, we know that when we allow incivility to occur in our organizations, we have no chance of becoming excellent. People acting with incivility, they're rude, inconsiderate, ungracious, disrespectful, impolite. There's no place in our organization for these negative behaviors. Our leaders must address employees when they exhibit behaviors that lead to a toxic workplace. 
Marissa Levin wrote an article for Inc. called Harvard Research Proves Toxic Employees Destroy Your Culture and Bottom Line. Now, underneath the heading of the article, she writes, Nothing destroys a culture faster than feeling of danger and mistrust. Leaders who wait to contain toxic damage risk losing everything. She continues to summarize the findings of the Harvard Business School study of more than 60,000 employees, and I just think these statistics are worth us hearing. A high performer who models desired values and delivers consistent performance brings in more than 5,300 in cost savings to a company. Avoiding a toxic hire or letting one go quickly delivers $12,500 in cost savings. Nearly half of the people working with toxic employees decreased their work effort and intentionally spent less time at work. 38% of employees dealing with toxic employees intentionally decreased the quality of their work. 25% of employees who experienced incivility in the workplace admitted to taking their frustrations out on customers. And 12% of employees left their jobs due to uncivil treatment. 80% of employees lost work time worrying about the employee's rudeness. And 63% lost time trying to avoid the toxic employee. 78% said their commitment to the organization declined in the face of a toxic behavior. Think of the impact to the performance curve with this last statistic. 66% of the employees dealing with a toxic team member said their performance declined. Wow. Shoot, we all have, you know, we all have some of these low-performing moments. It's just that some people live in certain types of low-performing behaviors all or most of the time. These individuals are toxic to an organization, and the Harvard study shows the devastating impact to our workplaces. There are varying descriptions of toxic employees. Gitvoip provides an infographic of five types of toxic employees. Now, I'm going to lean on eight types described by a Lifehack blog. I like the way these eight are framed. That's why I'm using them. And I use these types with insights from others to describe toxic employees. Use my summary to come up with your own if you want to. Also connect to the resources of these organizations if you want to learn more. I think you'll be able to relate to people you've encountered with some of these behaviors. Toxic person one. They believe in a one-person show. These employees roam around with I know everything and disturb the flow of the workplace. They constantly demotivate coworkers by teaching them the right way to do things. They're always found interfering in others' work by looking at the project with their vision only. They don't care about others' efforts. Toxic person, too. They are the creative monsters. These employees work on things like they like and find ways to avoid work that needs to be done. They assign themselves to be on multiple teams. Then they complain about being overworked, and their individual contribution is, you know, minimal at best. And sometimes these employees can be seen as a martyr. They let everyone know they are sacrificing themselves for the job. Then they break down in desperation that they can't do anymore. Toxic person three, they are the big-time procrastinators. These employees believe in the I-will-do-it-tomorrow approach, and tomorrow never comes. They don't pay attention to deadlines. Sometimes they have poor attendance or work or leave early, come in late. 
They don't care what manager or other team members think about them. They're good at hiding behind others' work and wait for their leaders to forget what the leaders have asked them to do. And toxic person four, they make a trap of creating an emotional scene. These employees mix their marital, financial, and health life with their work life. They are experts in creating a self-pity zone. They're always hungry for free attention. Toxic person five, they're busy with with negative gossiping. These employees create mistrust between coworkers and the management team. They love to start rumors about the company and spread nonsense stories about coworkers' personal lives. They like to bring down the productivity level of the whole team. Toxic person six, they desire to resist authority. These employees test the patience of authority and high-performing team members. They form a secret group with their more vulnerable coworkers with the purpose of challenging authority. When their boss takes any strict action, they break from the group and leave the others hanging out there on their own. Toxic person seven. They're busy virtual shoppers and addicted to their mobile device. This has become more significant, I think, in the last decade. The mobile device goes with these employees everywhere they go to, meetings, lunch, bathroom, on breaks. They keep the device in ready mode to connect with friends, do their shopping, get their chores done, and tune into the latest message, tweet, etc. And toxic person eight, they yell at their coworkers. These employees tend to have a short-tempered fuse. They disrespect coworkers and speak rudely with clients. Their coworkers sit on pins and needles, worried they will act out. They hope the fuse is not blown with them. When employees live most of their work time in one or more of these low-performing places, we as leaders need to address the behavior. Also, when an employee goes down a bad path, it is up to leaders to address any toxic low-performing behavior to keep this behavior from being contagious. And by all means, if the leader exhibits any form of toxic behavior, he or she should recognize the behavior, apologize, and then stop doing it. So how do we address difficult conversations? How do we have those conversations with these toxic employees? First, if a person needs emotional assistance, we need to offer the person an opportunity to receive assistance by connecting them with an employee assistance program. When an employee continues to exhibit behaviors that damage the workplace environment, we need to address the negative and toxic behaviors head on. Before bringing in the low performer to have a conversation, we need to do a lot of preparation. First, be completely straightforward with your supervisor. The good, the bad, the ugly. We may say to our supervisor, here are the things I've documented and here are the things I should have documented that I haven't done. The next step is to meet with human resources. We let them know where we are and gain their assistance and guidance as we confront the low performer. We'll have to complete the organizational process as we schedule a meeting with the low performer. An HR professional or or your supervisor may want to join you, and you probably want them to. Remember, the low performer conversation occurs after we've engaged in performance conversations to support the employee's growth. The employee has made a choice to continue the low-performing behaviors. So what does a low-performer conversation look like? First, we tell the low-performer this is a serious conversation, and this is not a time for chit-chat. So we don't start with, how's your day going? We start with, please have a seat. This is going to be a very serious conversation today. Let's bring back one of my colleagues, Erica, from the past 
podcast episodes. Erica has played high and solid performer roles. Now, she's not on the episode with me today and is in no way a low performer on our team. We'll keep the role play approach focused on Erica so that you can see the variations in high, solid, and low performer conversations as you listen to the podcast episodes. When we have low performing conversations, we don't give the low performer much opportunity to engage with us. The conversation is directive. Let's say Erica is a know-it-all. When the team decides to move forward, she derails the movement by adding her two cents because she always has a better way. Her teammates are not getting their work accomplished because she is constantly asking them to relook at how they do things. The team is frustrated with and tired of Erica. They're hoping she is absent from meetings so they can actually get some work done. I bring Erica to my office, and after letting her know this is going to be a serious conversation, I describe the issue as I just presented. And I'll also let her know that she has not responded to our coaching sessions to change her behavior. Next, I evaluate how this makes the team feel. I say something like, Erica, when the team has decided on a way to approach the job and is executing the work plan, you constantly try to change our course by offering your ideas at the weekly meetings. Your conversation doesn't allow the team to get through the agenda items during the meeting. Your teammates feel frustrated. I've recognized that the quality of work is declining. People on your team avoid working with you. For the team to be productive, we'll have to work together by valuing team decisions. I then explained to Erica what I've observed about her behavior. For example, Erica, we spent the last 60 days working on this unproductive behavior. You've not elected to change your negative behaviors to positive ones that we've discussed. And now I let Erica know, what the consequences of her past behaviors are. Erica, I expect you to follow the plan we've discussed these past 60 days. In that plan, we focused on some specific behavior changes you would make to improve. No improvements have occurred to date. I expect to see significant improvements throughout the next 30 days. I'll meet with you every week and every time you exhibit this negative behavior. You must show that you understand the need to change the way you interact with your team and make these changes. Erica will make one of several possible decisions. She will choose to change her behavior, <laughs> begin looking for another job, or continue with the behavior which would lead to her termination. With this example, I followed what we call the desk approach for holding low performer conversations. D, describe the behavior. E, evaluate how it makes you feel and the effect the behavior has on the team. S, show what needs to be done to change the behavior. And K, know the, know the consequences you will put in place if the behavior doesn't change. And then follow up, follow up, follow up. Low performers tend to bank on poor follow-up by leaders. It's their hook back into the low-performing behavior and their opportunity to stay around. When we are solid and high performers, we tend to move in and out of solid and high performance over time. It's unreasonable for us to live in high performance land all the time, and every now and then we find ourselves exhibiting a low performing behavior. When we know the varying types of behaviors that build negativity and toxicity in an organization, we can stop ourselves from being a negative contributor, and we always keep ourselves from harming others. This week, reflect on your own behaviors throughout your professional experiences. 
Can you think of times when you engaged in a low-performing behavior? What did you do? How would you change the negative behavior? How do you keep from doing it again? Can you remember a time when someone you worked with was toxic? How did it make you feel? Wouldn't you want your leader to address this low-performing teammate? And How would that have made your workplace a better one? Everyone deserves to come to work in a civil, engaging, and inspiring place. We all deserve to work with purpose and have an opportunity to be our best at work. Low performers make that difficult, and leaders have the ultimate responsibility to address low performers. Who knows? One day the low performer may actually thank his leader. Why? Because that one performance conversation could have been a turnaround moment for an employee. The leader addressed the performance issue, and the employee decided to change. And that change transformed the employee's life to be a better coworker and person. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. We've spent several episodes focusing on high, solid, and low performers. We started with building an emotional bank account. Today, we end this series with what we do with low-performing employees who do not change their negative behaviors. I look forward to connecting with you on our next podcast episode where we will focus on a great story about service recovery. Have a great week.